Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. Good to have you with us this morning. If you want to, you can open up your Bibles to John chapter 13. That'll be our text this morning. Uh, but before we, we do that, I feel like, man, just so much happened this week, didn't it? Yeah, so many things. Um, uh, I guess I want to start here. Um, our church is no longer a baby church, you know? Uh, if you've been here for a long time, you just think, oh, the vineyard's like this little baby church, and there's all these other historic churches around, and the vineyard's a baby church. And, you know, one of the things I'm waking up to more and more as the pastor here is the vineyard's no longer like a little baby church. It's like a full-grown adult church. And, and what that means is, um, well, let me put it this way. For the longest time here in the vineyard, we, we didn't have funerals because... No one who was a part of our church died, you know? And, and this, week, this, this week we lost Ann Tucker. And she's like a pillar of our church. Like if you're here this morning and you're new, just ignore everything I'm about to say. But, but if you're here and this is your church, like the reason this room is the way it is, is because a handful of people like followed God gave their whole lives to it and, and they pass on like a legacy that will outlive them like for generations, you know? Like the reason everybody's in this room is because like four couples got together and tried to obey God and tried to re- respond to the spirit and, and in doing so, a church happened and now, now we're all here and there's all these little kids who got dedicated and the kids wing is over full and we don't know what to do with all the children who are here. And everybody comes every single Sunday and we receive communion together and we baptize new believers, whether they're babies or whether they're adults or even old people. I mean, that's what we do, right? And then we get together and we feed each other and we become friends and we walk through life and we share life together. And the reason that happens is because a handful of people like did the real thing and obeyed God and shared the life of God with others. And so I just want to say, man, man, oh man. So there's a part of me that's like really, really sad because Anne was not just someone I knew and she wasn't just a pillar here, but she was also my aunt and she raised half of Campbellsville. Uh, So there's a part of me that's sad, but there's also this other part of me that's like, what an invitation. What an invitation to me, but also to everybody in here. You want your life to have significance? You want your life to have like real significance? Do the real thing. Do the real thing. And here's the real thing. Follow Jesus wherever he leads you. Follow Jesus and lay your life down for other people. Like one of the reasons that the vineyard is here this morning is because Ann Tucker followed Jesus. Uh, One of the reasons that the vineyard is a place of hospitality can I just tell you this? This is, this is how medieval I am. I actually believe what I'm about to say. Like this church has always been a place of hospitality. And by that, I mean where people share their lives and open up their homes to other humans. 
And the reason why this is in our DNA is because that's what Ann Tucker did. Like there were no strangers. You just go to her house. She would cook you food. She's the best cook at the church, you know? Like that's why. Like why are these things here? Because, because someone actually did the stuff. And so I, I'm starting to preach, aren't I? Yeah. But I just, I couldn't go any further. You know, you want to do, you want to make your life significant? Give it to other people. You know? You want your life to have meaning? Give it to other people in service of Jesus. You do that and you'll have something that remains. And you know what? Uh, Ann Tucker is no longer sick this morning. And Ann Tucker is embraced into the living arms of Jesus. You know, this morning, what a great thing. But you know what's amazing? There'll be a church here in Campbellsville forever because four or five couples did the real thing with their life. And that's an invitation for everybody in the room. You could be that person who builds something that outlasts you forever. I probably won't say anything better than that this morning. Don't try, but I don't know if I can. Shout out to Ann. Shout out to Uncle Bobby. Mm, my goodness. Shout out to Diane Salmon. Come on, Jesus. All right, Reese, you can put my title slide up. You know, work with me here. Uh, the title of today's uh, message is Come Near to Jesus. Come Near to Jesus. I'm going to talk to you out of John chapter 13 this morning. We're in a little series that's about devotion to God. And that word devotion it really means a couple things. It means loving God, but it also carries this other note of loyalty or faithfulness. So it's not just like this feeling I have towards, towards God, but this also has this note of like faithfulness or loyalty. I was thinking about this little scripture uh, from the book of Proverbs. Maybe we can put that up, Reese. This little scripture from Proverbs 3. Here's one to put on your bathroom mirror. Let love and faithfulness and let never leave you Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. You know, uh, here's the definition of Christian discipleship. Let love and faithfulness be around your neck and on the tablet of your heart. Basically what the Proverbs writer is saying is something like this. Let love and faithfulness be not just what's on the outside, but let it be what's on the inside. Let, what, let what's on the inside come out. Let it be visible in the world. And last week we talked about this tremendous promise um, that comes from the letter of James, where James says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Which means something like this. No one in the room ever has to be far from God at all. You could, you could be near to God today. You could get closer to God today. How do you get closer to God? Draw near to God, he'll, he'll, he'll draw near to you. And here's my thinking this morning before we get into the John text. My thinking here is... It's something like this. We're living in this moment where what's needed is something more than casual Christianity. Like casual cultural Christianity is bankrupt and dead. I just want you to know that. Like casual Christianity that causes you to come to church once a month, it's dead. Like it's just dead. It doesn't, it doesn't cut it. A transformation, transformation comes by being near to Jesus. Coming to church once a month will not change your life. In fact, it may inoculate you. It may give you enough of the real thing to make you resistant to the transformation power of Jesus. But what is really needed today is men and women who come near to Jesus. Like proximity really, really matters. People 
who love Jesus. And so what I want to talk about today is two things, and they're kind of overlap. I want to talk about being close to Jesus, and I want to talk about loving Jesus and having affection for Jesus. It's like, really, guys, I don't know if you know this, but I only have one message. It's 287 hours long, and it's, and it's basically this. Love God. That's the only thing that matters in the whole world is loving God and experiencing his love for you. So I want to read this scripture to you this morning. This is out of John chapter 13, 21 through 30. This is like the Last Supper, okay? Last Supper vibes here. And after he had said this, that'd be Jesus. Jesus was troubled in his spirit. He's got his disciples around him, right? And he testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And his disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. And one of them, notice the bold and italicized words this morning. That means it's important. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. And Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and he said, ask him which one he means. And leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. And so Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was in charge of the money, some thought that Jesus was telling him, to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. That's our text this morning. Here's the context to the passage. Uh, It's the Last Supper. Jesus had just washed all the disciples' feet. So imagine Jesus on his hands and knees and he's got dirty disciple feet in his hands. He had just done that. And he'd had this exchange with Peter. Peter's like, hey, don't wash my feet. Jesus is like, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter's like, well, just wash all of me. He's like, well, no, you don't need that. I'm just washing your feet. <laughs> and now Jesus is saying to his disciples that someone's about to betray him. And one of the disciples who was about to betray him was actually there in the room. And then, then in the middle of this exchange, there's this little note there's this little note, and the little note is like two things. It's, it's, it's this. It's one, uh, number one, it's that there was this disciple that Jesus loved. Did you notice that in the text? So there's like this heavy moment. Like Jesus is about to be betrayed. He knows his life's about to end. The disciples don't. He says there's a betrayer here. And then right in the middle of this text, uh, there's this like narrative note that says, the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay, that's kind of wild. And then, then there's this other note that that disciple, the one that Jesus loved, was reclining at the table with him, which is like the new international version way of saying he was laying on Jesus. If you read it in the King James, it says he was laying on Jesus's bosom, which is an old word to say he was laying on Jesus's chest, right? So there's all this drama, right? This is what I want you to see. It's like the contrast here. There's this moment Jesus is aware that somebody's going to betray him. And right in the middle, there's this note that there's this one disciple that Jesus really loved. And that disciple is laying on Jesus. 
So we've got this one disciple that loves Jesus and then somebody else in the room is gonna betray Jesus. It's a swirl. This is after Jesus has done the unthinkable, which is to wash the disciples' feet. And so right in the middle of a tense dinner, there's this one person who is not caught up in the anxiety. And that one disciple is nobody else. It's no one other than John himself, the guy who's actually writing the gospel. Like John refers to himself all through the gospel of John as the one that Jesus loved. Like what an amazing thing. And he's laying on Jesus. Now we know a few things from the scriptures. Uh, We know that number one, God loves the world. Uh, We know number two, that Jesus chose the disciples and he presumably loved the disciples as well. They were clearly his friends. Uh, They loved each other. Uh, Jesus had just shown them what real love and leadership was like by washing their feet. Then inside that 12, there were like, there were three that were closer to Jesus. So you got the 12 and then, then inside the 12, there's the three. There's always Peter, James, and John. They're always together and they're always with Jesus. They oftentimes go and do things with Jesus that none of the others do. But then inside of the three, there was like one and it's the one that Jesus loved and it was, it was John. You see them partitioned off quite frequently. And not only do you see that John is aware of his beloved state next to Jesus, you see that John was also somebody who was near to Jesus, like in proximity, lying on Jesus. So near to Jesus that in the beginning of Jesus's most trying moments, he's just just laying his head on Jesus's chest. So I want to say five things about the text this morning. Reese, maybe we can put that up for those who like to take notes. I want to say five things very quickly this morning about being near to Jesus and loving Jesus. Number one, I want to talk about two kinds of near. Number two, I want to talk about becoming aware of belovedness. Number three, I want to talk about this. Affection for Jesus, it's a thing. Number four, being close means knowing stuff. And then number five, affection for Jesus is the strongest thing. Number one, two kinds of near. The passage we just read this morning is an invitation and it's a warning. It's an invitation and it's a warning. Uh, It's an invitation in the sense that everybody who's here this morning could come close to Jesus and you could lay your life in the bosom of God's son. Like Like God welcomes you to put your head on his chest. God welcomes you to put your face in his heart. God welcomes you as you are right now to come near to him. You you wouldn't even have to change. Like you could just come near to God. You could lie with him right right at any moment in your life. And, And here's the thing. Not only do you not have to change, but the experience of being near to Jesus could be the thing that actually changes you. Like God invites you. Uh, God invites everybody here in the, in the room this morning to be beloved and to know yourself as a beloved disciple. But, but here's the other thing that's in this passage. It's not just a wonderful invitation. There's a stern warning in this passage if you have ears to hear it. And here's the warning. Uh, being near to Jesus might not change you. I hope you noticed that this morning. Uh, this little moment, it's the Last Supper. It's Jesus and it's the 12 disciples. And Jesus is talking about somebody's gonna betray him. And right in the middle of that, there's this one disciple who knows he's the beloved disciple and he's lying on Jesus. And how many of you know at that dinner table that night, there's John, the beloved disciple, but there's also G- Judas, the betrayer. 
And how many of you understand that for three and a half years, uh, Judas followed Jesus around? And Judas heard all of Jesus' sermons, and Judas heard uh, everything that Jesus had to say and teach. Judas saw all of the miracles. In fact, Judas had a place of leadership among the disciples because he was in charge of the money. So he was near to Jesus. He was proximate to Jesus. He had leadership underneath Jesus. He had status. He heard the teaching. He knew the sermons. He could quote the scriptures that weren't even written yet because he knew them by heart. How many of you understand there's two kinds of being near? And so there is an invitation and there's a warning. And we have to talk about this because here at the Vineyard, we talk a lot about the presence of God. In fact, we design all of our meetings, whether it's a Sunday morning church meeting or a home group, we design them to be places that welcome the spirit of God. That's like the point. That's the point. We have church meetings. We have leadership moments. We have home groups. And as good as all of that is, being around is never enough. Judas was around. He'd been around the whole time. And yet his heart was far from Jesus. Like there's two kinds of being near. There's an invitation and there's a warning. Put that in your mind. Number two, let's lean into the invitation though. Number two, awareness of belovedness. The goal of all Christian discipleship is to foster an awareness of our belovedness to God. Like that's, that's the point. Like if, if you think the point of Christian discipleship is to get you to do something, that is not fundamentally the point of Christian discipleship. The point of Christian discipleship is to get you to know something, not in your brain, but in your heart. And the thing, the thing that all Christian discipleship is pointed to is ultimately pointed, you, is pointed toward you knowing that you are beloved by God. That's your number one status at all times before God. The scriptures declare it's not that we loved him, but that he loved us first. And somehow John caught this. He traveled with Jesus he saw him, he heard him, and somewhere in all of that time with Jesus, he actually caught the main point. I mean, look at the audaciousness of what we read this morning. He's telling this story about a last supper with Jesus and somebody's gonna betray him. And as the writer, he inserts the disciple that Jesus loved and he's talking about himself. I mean, how many of you understand that's an audacious moment as a writer? I'm the one that Jesus loved. He calls himself that. Did Jesus love the others? Of course. But in his mind, he was the one that Jesus loved. There's like an audacious, innocent, bold, and unashamed thing that happens in John's life. And we see it in the scriptures. I'm the one that God loves. And when we come near to God in church, or when we come near to God in worship, or in our Bible reading and prayer, there is this thing that should be happening over the weeks and months and years. And that thing should be this, that we're waking up to the love of God. You know, every time we come here is an opportunity to wake up to the love of God. Every time we open the Bible or to pray is an opportunity to wake up to the love of God. It's not just that he loves the world in general, but that he loves you in particular. That's... That's how you know your Christian discipleship is going somewhere. It's not just that he loves the world in general, but that he loves you in particular. Nearness to Jesus 
it makes us audacious like this. Aware of your belovedness. I, I, hope, I hope there's some awareness in your heart and in your mind this morning of your belovedness to God. Like you matter to him. Uh, number three, affection for Jesus is a thing. Uh, this is all very embarrassing for some people. For some, this feels too earnest. You know, some of us in the room, we're comfortable talking about being saved by God. We're, we're comfortable talking about Jesus, the Redeemer. Uh, we're, we're comfortable talking about his life laid down for mine. But as soon as we begin to talk about like loving Jesus, it just feels, it feels too, it feels too mushy. It feels too mushy. Or maybe it's, it's too earnest. Or maybe depending on your tradition that you grew up in, maybe it feels irreverent. Like God is holy, uh, you should shut up and be quiet. And for some streams of the church, the experience of Jesus has become mostly theological. It's like intellectual, you know? Knowing God is just something that happens in my brains. It's like, it's in the neurons. It's in the spaces in between. It makes us smart. It gives us ideas. Uh, it's a way of orienting the world. Like we have a missiology and we have a theology. We become cultural critics and God becomes a distant person. Or maybe this, maybe God just becomes a set of ideas. But for the disciples who were close to Jesus and for the disciple who was literally closest to Jesus, uh, the experience of God was none other than this. It was the experience of God's love. And it's in the Johannine literature that we get the best articulation of the gospel that there is in the whole darn book, which is this, God is love. Isn't it interesting? You get that in 1 John. Wonder where that came from. Wonder how he woke up to that. He woke up to that by literally lying in the arms of Jesus. That's how. That's how. And affection for Jesus is a thing. Affection for Jesus is a thing. Have you noticed that here at the Vineyard, we, we say words like this all the time, Jesus, I love you. That's it, God. Like, that is literally the thing. The point of Christian discipleship is for you to wake up to your belovedness and for you to have some sort of response back to God. Jesus, I love you. God is love. And that didn't come, that didn't come as an idea on a page. It, became, it came through an experience of belovedness. I want to say a couple things here to the church this morning. Uh, John, the disciple, he knew he was beloved. Like John knew it. He named it. He put himself in the book as that. Number two, John Wesley, y'all know that guy? You know, the founder of the Methodist church? You should read about his life. He had an experience in the middle of the night by the fire where he felt his heart, what? Strangely warmed. Strangely warmed by what? The love of God. The experience of his own belovedness before God. And then I was reading this week, Teresa of Avila, Here's what she wrote in one of her journals because she had these amazing experiences, amazing open visions where she was experiencing the presence and the love of God. And she had this experience and she wrote this in her journal where she heard, where she heard Jesus say to her, I would create the universe again just to hear you say that you love me. Like, what is this? I want you to know this morning, affection for Jesus is a thing. And coming to church and being a stoic or, or, or having a faith that leads my mind to being smarter or holding more ideas is to miss the point. 
Like we are headed toward a destination and the destination is not simply life after death, but the destination is to be held in the loving arms of God forever. And you might want to learn it now. You might want to learn it now. Affection for Jesus is a thing. I've been knocked over by the love of God. And here's what I want everybody in the room to know. That's normal Christianity. That's normal Christianity to have his heart and hearing him call you in your strength and in your weakness, beloved. In your strength and in your weakness, you are beloved. I want to tell you one very, very quick story from the Old Testament this morning. Uh, How many of you guys remember, there's a There's an amazing, uh, there's an amazing guy in the Old Testament. Um, he's, he's not very known because his name is hard to say. Um, how many of you remember Meshibabeth? Yeah, you guys remember who he was? Maybe you don't because his name is hard to say. Um, anyway, he was... He was one of Saul's sons and he was, he was crippled and a lot of stuff happens and he ends up poor and destitute because King Daddy Saul's gone. He lives as a beggar and David becomes king and David says, I, basically David says, I miss Jonathan who was my best friend, who was also Saul's son. And he was like, go find any descendant of Saul. The same Saul who tried to kill David, by the way. He said, go find any descendant of Saul and bring him to my table. And they go out and look and they go, the only person we can find is this crippled guy. And he says, bring him, put him at my table. And I, I, this story is amazing, right? And it's amazing because it's, it's basically a picture of how God sees you and he sees me. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, the story means something like this, that it was never your strength. It was never your strength that gets you a seat at God's table. It was always his love and it was always his care. And in your crippleness and in, in your feebleness, God welcomes you. Affection for Jesus is a thing. Like in your weakest moment, when you have two broken legs, when there is nothing that you could do for yourself, when there's nothing good, God will, welcomes the Mephibosheth version of you to his table. And he says, here's everything I have. It's yours. Affection for Jesus is a thing. Number four, being close means knowing stuff. Notice that Jesus is talking to the group about Judas betraying him and nobody's catching it. And I hope you noticed in the text this morning that Peter says to John, hey, ask him who it is. Did you notice that moment? He's like, hey, dude, ask him who it is. So John says, Jesus, who is it? And Jesus leans over to John and says, it's the person I'm going to give this to. So he dips the bread and he hands it to Judas. And I hope you notice that if you read the text really closely, no one in the room except for John still knows what is going on. No one knows except for one person, the person who's near to the heart of Jesus. You want to know stuff like about life? Uh, You want to know stuff about the world? Uh, You want to know stuff about what's happening? I just want to tell you, get near to the heart of Jesus. 
You want to be a prophetic person? You want to do that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 stuff that Paul talks about? Uh, here's how you become a prophetic person who always has the right word at the right time. Uh, encouragement for down and broken people. Here's how you do it. You get near to the heart of Jesus and you will just know stuff. You'll just know stuff. You, if you lay your life in the heart of Jesus, you'll just be smarter about like all kinds of things. You'll just know things. It's the doorway to knowing things. Here's what I would like to say to the charismatics in the room. Prophecy is ultimately proximity. Prophecy is ultimately proximity. Come near to Jesus. Number five, affection for Jesus is the strongest thing. Someone agrees. The babies agree. Uh, Reese, I don't have this scripture in the slide, so you don't have to worry about it. I'm just going to read. Can everybody just listen? Everybody just listen to this, okay? Affection for Jesus is the strongest thing. Listen to this. John chapter 19, 25 through 27. It says this. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So who's, who's at the foot of Jesus's cross when he's crucified? All the Marys. All the Marys. <clears throat> uh, by the way, none of the disciples... None of this, except, except this, listen, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple who he loved, wait a minute, there's that thing again, right? And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And he said to the disciple, here's your mother. And so for that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So who's standing at the cross of Jesus in the end? All the Marys, so all the women, all the women, None of the disciples except for one. And it was John who laid his head on Jesus's chest. Affection for Jesus is the strongest thing. Like you want to have a faith that lasts. You want to have a faith that remains. It's not about, it's not about boasting. I mean, Peter was like, Jesus, I'll never leave you. And Jesus was like, I don't know about that, bud. He's like, no, for real. He's like, no, for real. I'm never going to leave you. Like he's like, Peter even goes crazy. He goes, look, like if you die, I'll die with you. And Jesus says to Peter, well, before the rooster crows three times tonight, you'll run away. You'll run away. And sure enough, we know the story, right? Peter runs away. Peter's like this jack guy, you know, because he's a fisherman. Just imagine the forearms that Peter had from dragging nets his whole life. And how many of you understand that when you're that kind of a worker, you know how to fight? Like Peter knew how to fight. Peter had a sword. Like Peter would cut dude's ears off and Jesus would put them back on. Like it's literally in the Bible. So we know what kind of person Peter is. And at the end of the day, when the real stress and the real moments happen, Peter runs away and so do all the other disciples. But the youngest disciple, 16-year-old John, who laid his head on Jesus's chest, he's the one who's there with all the Marys. Affection for Jesus is the strongest thing. Some of us are like, man, I want to bolster my faith. I want to have a stronger faith. I want to have a faith that can, that can, that can, that can hold together in the cultural currents that we, that we live in in the moment. Like, you know, like, what are you going to do? Like, like we are living in wild times, people. And who the heck knows what's going to happen in the next five years? Anybody who tells you, don't, they don't know. They don't know. Like, who knows? Like, we got two hot wars going on. And that doesn't even count all the wars that are happening every place else that nobody counts, right? Uh, we, have, we have an American 
polity that is more divided than ever. Uh, we have another election coming up, which bums me out. Can we just not? Like, I just, like, can we just not? Like, can we just, can we not? Can we get AI? Can we just program an AI that just runs the government and then we don't have to vote anymore? Like, give me the robot overlords. Some of you are like, is he serious? I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. Kind of, but, but some of us are like, how am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? Like the TV is telling me one thing. TikTok is telling me another thing. There's wars over here. There's wars over there. Interest rates are up. There's no houses and the houses that are here. They're kind of crappy and they're worth way too much money. And you're like, I'm 27 years old and I want to have a house for my family. What am I going to do? Rents million dollars, even in Campbellsville. And everybody from Chicago comes and buys all of our land now. What are we going to do? Here's what I want you to know. Affection for Jesus is how you bolster your faith. Like you could be the kind of person who can stand with Jesus in the most trying and stressful moments and not lose your life, but keep it, you know? How? By loving Jesus, that's how. And here's how you love Jesus, by waking up to his love for you. Like that in your weakest or in your strongest moments, you are beloved by God. That, my friends, is the gospel. And so the invitation today is to come into the arms of Jesus. Man, that's the invitation. What time is it? It's 10.07. I've preached a little late. All right. So if you're on the worship band this morning, come on up. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.